1: there everybody and welcome to a brand new edition of we got next here on mmafighting.com I am Mike heck hope you're all having a wonderful week it's a very busy week in the world of combat sports and in mixed martial arts more important than anything else this deserves to be said this deserves to be the spotlight our very own E Casey Leiden is getting ready to make his mixed martial arts debut on Saturday night, in California, and I'm so I'm so proud of this dude. I really am. So you're not going to be seeing him a lot on the programming this week from BTL on because the man has a fight to prepare for. We should all give Casey in his baddest stash in MMA media. I mean, it's official now. He he does have the baddest stash in MMA media. That I think it's important. He gets all of our support. We'll be rooting for him, and we're trying to figure out how we're going to stream and air and keep you all updated on his fight so details to follow we will figure it out on MMAfighting.com UFC is back in London on Saturday UFC London headlined by Alexander Volkov taking on Tom Aspinall a, a very interesting card be nice to see the London fans getting back after it you know they bring the heat, they bring the passion so it should be a fun event And it's even more fun that the prelims kick off at 1 p.m. Eastern and the main cards at 4 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be wrapped and packed by like 830 Eastern. This is amazing. A Saturday night where we can actually do stuff. I'm very excited for that. I'm actually going to play some golf Sunday morning. AK and I, my best friend and I, are probably going to record on to the next one Saturday night. So we don't have to do it on Sunday morning. I mean, this is a glorious thing. I wish the UFC would do more of these. I understand it's a logistical and a geographical thing, but, I mean, you want to go to London once a month, I'm all for it. All for it for these early start times. So looking very much forward to that. Much like I am looking forward to this show, we get some interesting conversations. So let's run down the lineup, and we'll get to our first interview. Wrapping us up, we're going to talk to Cody Brundage, a tremendous come-from-behind submission win over Dolce Langimbula this past Saturday at UFC Vegas 50. He was in big trouble. Looked like he was on the way to getting finished. He overcomes it. Jumps a super tight and nasty guillotine. Gets the tap. Gets his first UFC victory. Gets a bonus. And at the same time, he proves some folks wrong. Proves some narrative builders wrong. And it was a really good performance. And Cody and I have been conversing and doing these interviews for a long time now since he was really early in his pro career. And now he's got his first UFC win. And I'm very excited to have that kind of a conversation with him. A lot going on in his life. So we'll talk about that and the big win and much more. You may have heard, you may have seen the story, but Eric Anders, UFC middleweight contender, Went one-on-one with a live chainsaw. (laughs) Lost the battle, but didn't lose the war. Didn't lose the war. Could have been a lot worse. You'll hear the whole story, but you probably saw the photos on Instagram this past Friday. His foot all just sort of cut up and mangled. You can kind of see the inside of it, the, the white meat of it all. It was just nasty, but it could have been much worse hearing the story. Eric Andrews joins us for about 10 minutes to discuss what happened answering all my questions and apparently he's good to go because apparently he's got a fight lined up that he signed before the accident happened and he is going onwards and upwards to that fight in May so this thing is not going to slow him down at all we'll get the details from your boy Eric Anders coming up a little bit later on but first it's been a minute since I have spoken with Pearl Gonzalez Pearl and I have had many of conversation over the years. I think she's one of the sharper minds in the sport of MMA. We talk, it, you know, we would talk about her fights and all this other stuff. But she's she's always had a good mind for for the game, for the analytics of the sport, and she's getting an opportunity to to sort of spread those wings and and show that side of her. She's doing a lot of stuff for UFC Fight Pass doing a lot of stuff for extra rounds on UFC fight pass with TJ DeSantis, a really good dude worked with TJ for a cup of coffee over on the Anakin Florian podcast before I came over to MMA fighting, but she's doing a lot of, a lot of stuff for UFC pay-per-view events. She's been on the road for Dana White's looking for a fight. And as far as her fighting career goes, not sure where she's going to go. She doesn't really have to go anywhere, but if the right thing comes along, she's going to jump all over it. But Pearl and I have been trying to get something set up for a couple of months now. And earlier this week, we were able to line up a time. We hit record and we talked about a million things. We just hit record and and went after it. And that's what you're going to hear. It's around 50 minutes, but we talk about anything and everything. So hope you guys will enjoy that conversation again. I think Pearl is one of the sharp minds in this sport. Never really got enough credit for that. And hopefully through the work that she's doing now, After listening to this conversation, you will kind of get the same glimpse of that that I've had for years now. Since probably like 2016, 2017 when I first started interviewing her. So, you get to hear that conversation. We're going to take a short break. Short break. Hear from some of our great sponsors. And then, you'll hear that conversation with Pearl Gonzalez coming up next on We Got Next. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week on the show. Enjoy the program. And enjoy everything we got coming up this weekend. Casey, you're the man.
0: Get it done, son. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel, the realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at Noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— V-A-N-29.com.
1: All right, let us welcome back the Chi-Town princess herself, Pearl Gonzalez to the show. A lot going on since we last spoke, so I felt it was fitting to get get her back on here, discuss those things. She might be one of the uh, busiest people in combat sports these days. She's traveling all over the place. She's... Got a million things going on. Pearl, it's great to see you again. How are you?
3: I am amazing, Mike. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Absolutely. So like I said, you are super busy right now. I want to go back a little ways because you were in Kansas City for that FAC event, the the looking for a fight car with with Dana White. And I was blown away by like how many people were at that event. I mean, it was just, it it was unbelievable. And I know you did some stuff for 271 and 272, a lot of stuff for UFC Fight Pass, How are you enjoying just hitting the road a bit more, getting to to spread the analyst wings a little bit more, so to speak?
3: Oh my gosh, as far as traveling all around, this has been my goal for probably the last 15 years is to travel as much and often as I can. So I absolutely love the travel. I am like late all the time, so I'm very challenged when it comes to making my (laughs) flights and those things. And so like my boss got at me uh, not too long ago, so I've been like, really on point with it, like I have to be there. But uh, the the commentary world, the analyst work, like this is a dream job that I had absolutely no idea was a dream. Um, if you would have asked me about this two years ago, I would have said you were crazy. And uh, I just kind of found my way in. Um, big shout out to TJ DeSantis, who kind of was the one that was during an interview for Invicta actually was like you would I cannot wait to see you on the on this side and I looked down like what are you talking about and he's like you're gonna be great when you for analyst and commentary and I thought he was crazy um but he actually called me for icon and asked me hey there's an open spot for icon icon for commentary you're amazing I think you should try and I was like Uh, All right. I was in a really hard place in my life at this time. And um, I was like, okay, I will, I was really open to opportunities and new things. And uh, man, it's, I haven't looked back since. And it's just been so cool. It's been kind of, it's, it's very different. I have a whole new respect for the athletes, for the sport itself. Um, As a fighter, you know, you're so focused on yourself, your skills, your team, your training, the opponents in front of you. Um, and you go in and you do your job, and you have to be—you have to absolutely be one hundred percent focused on these things. But from the other side, there are so many people. Like I'm busy. I can't imagine what the like the production team behind the UFC or even like someone like yourself that has to follow not just the UFC but all these other platforms and, and promotions. Like you must—you guys never sleep. The the work is constant. It's nonstop. It's extremely exciting. It's so fun to study these athletes to hear their stories. And for me, I believe that this is one of my callings and, and one of my duties as a vet in the sport, as a, a lifelong martial artist, to help the athletes now that I have this platform to help them get their story on this platform, to help showcase their hard work and um, just recognize them. Uh, I think that for me as a fighter, you know, I didn't, I didn't always feel like I got that. So I had to get crazy and, and cre- creative and, and make that happen for myself. And um, now that I have this platform and these tools, I can use my creativity and help some some up and coming and help the athletes.
1: You mentioned like if if someone asked you about this two years ago, you would have been like, nah, this probably wasn't going to be the path I was taking. But you seem to be enjoying it more. And TJ saw something in you that maybe you didn't see in yourself at the time. When did you know that? You know what? Like, cause you see fighters getting like guest commentary roles all the time and they do it like one once or twice. And then maybe they sprinkle them in and out once in a while. But you seem to like just be all in on this, like get as many of these reps in as possible. Like, when did you know, you know what, this isn't just like a one-time thing for me? This is something I want to continue to do.
3: So my first commentary job and I kind I got to go shopping, find a dress, get my hair done, like do my makeup. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this. And even today, I'm like, holy shit. I never knew I was this big of a diva because like (laughs) eyelashes, eyebrows, hair, like nails, everything. I love it. I really do. It's a lot of work. It's like 10 hours a week of maintenance just to look like I do. And then the shopping for the dresses and looking for the outfits. I've always loved fashion. I've always loved dressing up. I just was always, a, I've also been a tomboy my whole life and an athlete. Um, and so I think that after that first event, I was like, it was so nerve wracking. It was it was scary to speak. And then I did it and it was, I did okay. And even TJ was very impressed. And the uh, promoter at the time um, and Dean Tool, uh, the matchmaker, they were like staring at me as I was doing my first opening. And I'm like, oh shit, I really got to do good. And I did, I ended up killing it. I was like, oh man, One thing that I am not afraid of or intimidated by is a camera. I love the camera. Um, And when I look at my life and look back at it, my aunt, who's been a model for twenty five years, who makes my way in outfits, who makes my fight outfits, has been a part of my entire amateur and professional fighting career. um, She has kind of groomed me for TV. She sent me to um, to acting classes when I was young. She had me doing photo shoots when I was like seven. And she would have me practice in the mirror, and we would fight constantly, especially in my fight career, because she'd be like, "Put makeup on." I'm like, "I'm not fucking wearing makeup. I'm an athlete. I'm a fighter. I'm here to fight." And she was like, "Just put a little." And like she, I fight. We still fight, but you know, she, I would fight her all the time. And now I'm like, "Holy smokes!" Like she groomed me for TV, and I had no idea. So when it comes to the camera and speaking, um, I have no problem. I, I love, I thrive in those challenges. And then when I look at my work, right, as an athlete, I am not satisfied with where I'm at in my career and the performances I've had, the, the record. And there's still some fights left in me that I would like to have at some point. Um, but when I look at my training and all of the things, I've traveled the world, like alone in thailand to thailand to japan to train to meet these these instructors that have been teaching for 15 years and hear their story learn the culture like i absolutely love mixed martial arts it is very dear to my heart and um i get to kind of showcase i never i never took it easy in training i went to training and if i didn't understand i was asking you why and asking why until i understood so now when I hear myself speak when I break down fights, I understand what all this training and teachings were for, for me to help kind of break down the fights for the for for the people.
1: I feel like that FAC card was kind of perfect for you because We get to see guys like Josh Fremd and Isaac Dolgarian, who not a lot of people knew, like they weren't household names, but they get an opportunity on a big stage to fight in front of Dana and we get to learn a little bit more about them like Isaac story—he's a freaking beekeeper, which I had no idea like does all these crazy things (laughs) in his life. And then we see like some of these vets like Eduardo Dantas goes out there and has one of the most sensational knockouts we'll see probably the entire year. And he ends up not getting a contract. So I'm curious just because you were there and you felt the, the buzz in that arena, which, like I said, there was a ton of people there when Dantas didn't get a contract. Were you surprised by that? Because this is a former Bellator world champion. He has this incredible finish and then he doesn't get a contract.
3: You know, I, I don't know. I, I believe at this point where the fight game is, he's going to have an opportunity and maybe it wasn't, that particular one with the Nelk Boys with looking for a fight, but there's the Dana White contender series coming. They need last minute replacements all the time. Like this is the best time to be active and to be a fighter ever, ever in the in the history of the sport because of the amount of opportunities that are presenting themselves. So I think that I hope he doesn't get down. You know, they they were probably looking for a particular look and vibe for the Nelk boys because you got to add in the Nelk Boys. Like and that card was insane. I remember like we were perfectly set up kind of at where the beginning of the, the, the floor was and, um, for extra rounds. And like, I was like, holy shit, this feels like a UFC, the, the lighting, the way that they had, the, it was just so many people. There were so many Nelk boy fans there. It was so cool to kind of watch. And even interesting, like when, when Dana came through, like his whole entourage came and you just feel like this wave of energy as he walks past and then the Nelk boys and they had line, like people would just went crazy. And then the fights right and then the fights happen and you have these big knockouts like that knockout where the crowd was nuts, it was it felt like a UFC, it was. I mean it's in Kansas City like who the hell's in Kansas City it was like January, you know, so it was it was badass it was so cool it was so cool
1: then you got to do some, some preview stuff for, for 271 and 272. So you're in Houston for, for 271. And we saw some of the videos, the Calvin cater stuff was hilarious. And then, you know, out in Vegas for 272 with, with Colby and Mazadol and all that, like, what, what, what were those fight weeks like for you now that you're in this new role, you're doing all these different things. I mean, 272, there was a lot of, a lot of meat on that bone with Mazadal and Covington. And just to be a part of that entire thing, what was that experience like for you?
3: it's amazing. We so extra rounds was the podcast is is who I, I am working for. We started this podcast last, uh, I believe they started it before me. I came in about 40 episodes in last year. Um, and we were a podcast, mobile a mobile podcast from home that was hoping to eventually go live. Well, all in a year, I came in and maybe like 20, 30 shows later, we were already preparing to go live. And uh, we started our first live show uh, last J- J- July. And since now we travel with all of the pay-per-views and we do a pre-fight show beginning of the week. And then we do a pre and post fight day. We're at the venue, we're in the concourse. So we get to be around the fans. We got speakers, so you can hear us. We got cameras. It's a very interesting setup because we actually get to interact with the fans. And it's really amazing, but it's also challenging in the sense like when you have like a big fan favorite, for instance, like a Jorge Masvidal who doesn't do well, the fans are pissed they're coming out they're upset they're mad they're screaming you know they're they want to argue about it they want to fight about it i think that the fight that was probably worse was the moreno brandon moreno um figueredo fight because there was so many brandon moreno fans in, in california and they were the fight was so close like they were arguing with us they were so mad at that decision so it's challenging in that sense because we have that interaction with the fans but I think like, it's, it's pretty amazing, especially the lead up to the fights. Like you feel that energy, you feel like you become a part of it. And, um, it's, it's really, really cool. Cause I get to sit and spend hours dissecting each and every fighter looking for where the advantages or, or where their disadvantages. And to me, man that this is why I say that I have a whole new respect for this sport.
1: As far as your fighting career goes, I know you're dealing with some injuries, you're, you're doing some PT, you're trying to heal up. And we last saw you compete at BKFC 22. You had that fight with Britton Harder. We spoke right before that, and what a freaking fight that was. I mean, that was a war. Mm-hmm. Things were kind of personal between the two of you heading into the fight, press conference, et cetera. In the end, she walks away with the win. What, what did you take away from the fight, the build, just that whole experience of being in you know, a bare-knuckle battle like that? Because I felt like the fight didn't get enough love in the build, if we're being honest, but then it delivered yeah. in spades and you guys made me look like a genius by telling everybody this is probably the best fight of the weekend. And you guys went out there and had that battle. What was that all like for you, the, the fight, the build, etc.
3: Oh my gosh, let's, well, let's start with the fight. The fight itself, it was a war. There was blood. It was, we were, we were fighting all the way to the back. She threw, a, she threw a can at me. She was swearing at my, like, if I see this woman on the streets, I'm fighting her. I don't need to get paid to fight this woman again. I cannot stand her. But the fight itself, when I look at it, this is one of my, the funnest fights I've ever been in. Blood everywhere, she's looking at me and I'm like, fuck you bitch, you feel my power. And she's screaming at me, fuck you. I mean, we were just nonstop and that is what I live for. Those are the moments that I live for and I've trained my whole life for is to enjoy that. So gosh, if I, I could have, even like going into the fifth round, I was like, am I in the, is this the fourth or the fifth? I asked my aunt and she's like, it's the fifth round. And I just remember being like, fuck man, like I need more time in here. I didn't want that fight to end. Um, the decision was shit. You know, I thought that I did enough to win that fight. I knew, I knew in the fight we both knew who was winning that fight. She was coming forward, but she was missing. She was missing. So the decision was whatever. Feldman came, and I was very grateful that Feldman called me after. He's like, "I think you won that fight. I'm sorry. I would love to have you back on." Um, but I was, I was very emotional. I was like, "Fuck this! I'm fucking done with this. I never want to do this again." And I was pretty upset with it. I will say this signing to bare knuckle was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my professional career. Um, as far as the lead up in the press conference, that was fun. I, I I can sell a fight. I know that. I I've never really talked shit because that's really not my MO, but she was messaging, commenting, calling me a bitch and a hoe, and all these things. And I was just waiting. I was waiting because I knew her her husband messaged me a, a while before, I think maybe right in the beginning when they were dating he was friendly and i was being in it i was a little ass on that but i don't regret it i don't regret any of it it was fun i absolutely loved it uh bare knuckle was a fun sport um as far as fighting goes for me uh yes i'm trying to heal up the goal is to get back on the mats and to do jiu-jitsu i think that where i'm at right now i'm not sure if uh that's gonna happen but i can box and um i can start a camp soon and before i had my surgery i got offered like there's some fights at this point in my career. I don't want to take fights. I don't need to prove myself anymore. I'm only I only want to take fights that excite me, that make me want to go to the gym. Because my new priority is my analyst work, is the commentary world. This is where I, I enjoy myself. This is where I'm spending most of my time right now. Um, when it comes to fights, like I got offered a fight uh, between Rachel Astavich. I love that fight. I want. I will. I would love to fight Rachel Ostovich. Um in MMA if it if it ever presented itself and I can get there, like a Misha Tate fight would be amazing to me. Um, so there's only specific fights that I want to take at this point in boxing in real professional boxing. There's um Elaine Bridges. I would love to fight Elaine Bridges. So these are just particular fights that I'm going to pick and choose, whether or not you know, Paige was a fun fight too. She's gone to wrestling. Maybe I'll meet her in wrestling someday. But there's only specific fights that I want at this point in my career. I can box now, I can get back to boxing. I can train and get back into a camp. I'm working every single day, twice a day on recovery. I'm either in physical therapy or I'm lifting weights. I'm in the gym. I'm working every day to get back to being stronger and better than when I had my surgery. But the reality is, is if I my body isn't doesn't want to fight anymore, I'm not gonna force it. I've done this way too long. I've been in the sport, I beat my body up. I'm gonna listen to it. If it does not want to go to MMA, if it cannot, then I'm not going to force it anymore.
1: Boxing, if the right fight comes along, it, seem, it seems like just, just hearing what you're saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you're more open to box. I mean, if MMA is something big comes up, sure, but boxing seems to be the path you would want to take if you had a choice. Is, am I reading that accurately?
3: Uh, if I had a choice, it would be MMA. I, I love, grappling. Okay. I love MMA. MMA is my heart, but my body right, right. now will only allow for the boxing to happen. I, I can't grapple yet. Um, I haven't even touched the mat and tried. So, uh, at this point, if I can, if I, if I can book fight sooner than later, I would start with boxing just to get back in, let my knee continue to heal. And then, and then when it's ready, if I can, I would love to, ideally the goal is to get back to MMA and have a couple more fights there.
1: So just to clarify the, the BKFC thing, because I, you know, we saw your message after you're like, you, you posted the Instagram after the fight. You said that was, that was it. That was the last bare knuckle fight. You said, even after Feldman was calling you say, we'd love to have you back. You're like, F no, but I was emotional at the time. Like, do you still feel the same way that that was, that was your last bare knuckle fight?
3: Uh, I'll come back for the right fight. I'll come back and fight for the right fight. I know that uh, I'm very good in boxing. I'm a draw. I can sell a fight people watch, they tune in to watch me fight. If you watched my fights, you see that I come to fight every single time. Um, and I think that they have they have Rachel, which is a fight I'm very interested in. They they offered me that before the surgery. Um, Britain Hart, I would love to beat her ass at any given point. Um, so there's specific fights, like for those for the right price. Yeah, yeah, I will go back to bare knuckle. I think that I respect a Feldman in a in a lot of ways. And I wasn't happy with not just the decision, but the way I was treated in in my in coming through bare bare knuckle. And I don't think it had anything to do with him, I think that they're a new promotion and they're trying to figure this out, and I understand that and um, and I respect him a lot, so I would go back for the right fights and I'm, i'm not going to. I'm not going for just any fight, though. It's a Rachel fight, sure. And maybe he'll put up, like, a belt, like, the baddest bitch belt. Like, that would be fire. <laughs> Two bad bitches fight? I would love it.
1: <laughs> uh, man, can you imagine? Like, if they booked you and Rachel, Britain would have a freaking field day with that. Like, if she didn't have, like, if you put a baddest bitch title on the line for a fight between you and Rachel and she wasn't a part of it, she would go bananas. And that would be kind of she's fun to watch. Bad
3: bitch, though. Yeah, okay. she's not a bad bitch, though. So she can fight me if you don't like it. Fight me.
1: There we go. <laughs> Amanda Serrano is about to headline Madison square garden. I mean, that is phenomenal. Like you, you've been, you've been tooting that Serrano horn for a long time now. And she's finally starting to get that respect that, that many people felt she deserved for years. She's getting a headline MSG. They're pulling big presale numbers. I'm sure like the gate overall will be right up there. I think it was the second biggest pre-sale ever for a boxing event at Madison Square Garden, which is insane. And this is headlined by women. This is a very big deal. What is that like for you to see Amanda start to get this shine and just get this big platform and headlining MSG? That's amazing.
3: Oh my gosh, when she, man, that's my sister. And when I see if there is nobody more deserving that I know in combat sports than Amanda Serrano, she is one of the hardest working women that I've ever had the privilege to watch and learn and, and just see she she doesn't have a phone she's never owned a cell phone she's like 33 years old you know she, she's never had a boyfriend I mean she's never it's just been boxing boxing since she was I think 15 maybe a little younger and this is her life and and she's so committed to this and her family um and when she wasn't getting the respect that she you know she didn't get a lot of hype behind her I didn't understand it I was like I don't she she's got 31 knockouts like, what woman do you know that other than maybe Christy Martin in the history of any combat sports that has those type of numbers of knockouts? She's she's going to be one of the great, greatest of all time when she's done. Um, and, yeah, it's amazing not only just to see her get the shine, but to start getting she's getting paid. She's getting paid real money now. Very deserving. She's so deserving of it. And this fight is this is a real fight. Like Amanda's the type that she doesn't just want to fight who's next that she goes and she they look and they they seek the best champion the best woman in that division that's who she wants to fight to challenge herself that's the type of fighter she is and so this this fight katie taylor her older sister cindy who also fights and is a professional fighter she fought katie taylor and went the distance she lost and dropped that fight to a decision katie katie was superior in that fight But this is kind of so there's a little more to this fight this is like she's got this is little sister coming back for big sister. You know the power puncher and katie so got so much finesse in her game katie's a huge name, so this fight is huge and then she's got you know such a big draw with the Irish Community Irish community's huge in New York like. This fights amazing and it's so deserving for amanda and and both katie both of these women, and I think that right now where women's boxing is because of these two ladies it's going to grow. And it's at the best and the peak and uh, of where women's boxing has ever been.
1: So I went, my last event I covered in 2021 was Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley too. And Amanda was on that card in the co-main event. And one thing that annoys me to no end about women's boxing is that the men get three minute rounds and the women only get two minute rounds. Like all due respect to Frank Gore and Darren Williams. Cause that fight was awesome. Those two went out there, <laughs> former NFL player versus former NBA player. They're out just throwing bombs at each other. Like it was entertaining, but even those guys are getting three minute rounds, but Amanda Serrano is not getting three minute rounds. Like what's your take on that? Like, I, I know at, at this point, they're so used to it, but even Amanda, even at one of the press conferences was like, Katie, let's, let's do this for three minutes. And I thought that was such a gangster move on her part. What do you think? Like, sh- should we be going to three minutes for these women's fights?
3: Absolutely. Like I don't understand even you know how Jake came out yesterday and he wants to make you, the UFC better and, and MMA. Why not work on boxing, the sport that you're in? The women don't have equal rights in boxing. We are still fighting for less time. Why? Why is that? You know, in the beginning of MMA, when it first started getting sanctioned, we had three minutes in that fight. They changed that to fight. We we have equal opportunity in a fight, and we're we're worthy and we can handle it. So why not in boxing? Amanda's a a beast. Like that woman, just trains hard. If you watch her, she doesn't care how many times you hit her. She does not stop coming forward. She's a truck, and she hits harder than most men that have hit me. Like she's made me pee on myself, like just from body shots. That's how hard she hits. And um, yeah, I think that they absolutely deserve those three minutes. You just can't even for me. I fought in bare knuckle two minutes. It's so hard to get get in your rhythm and find your stride in the and before it's time to take a break and now you've got to reset and and so you know i think that it's extremely important that we get the extra minute you know um why not why can't we we've proven we are very capable and worthy of it
1: you are an mma analyst you're doing all these different things so i'm curious to get your take on what what jake paul's been trying to do with with the mixed martial arts space more more notably the ufc because he keeps trying to poke and prod the bear that is Dana White. And I think Dana's actually being smart because when he was making videos and trying to fire back at Jake on social media, you just don't want to do that. There's like certain avenues you might be able to get the best of Jake. Social media, not the best place to do it, no. but you don't want to poke the bear there. But but Jake's trying. Do you think there's sincerity to him that he, he is looking out for the fighters, that he does want to make a difference and, and, and try to get these fighters paid more money?
3: You know, I think that there is. Just because of my experience, not with him, I've never met him, but watching my sis, Amanda Serrano, and now that she's managed by him, watching how he's changed her life, watching the things that he's done for her. I know that genuinely that there is a part of him that does want to help fighters and make the world better, honestly. I think that he's extremely creative with his marketing, obviously. And the reality is, is this dude can box he's learning and maybe he wasn't a, the greatest boxer last year, but this motherfucker, he's coming and he's, he's becoming a really good professional boxer. So you got to give him his respect there. I think that is genius what he's doing. Cause he's poking the right bear, right? He's poking the right person as far as the UFC, the UFC is the greatest sport, greatest combat sport, or excuse me, the greatest promotion. MMA is the greatest sport. He's poking the right promotion because that is right now where all the hype is. But the reality is, 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 to me it reminds me of a young dana white so it's like uh you're creative and you're awesome and some in your in your ways but you're still doing the same shit dana did this what, wasn't this a young dana that's that
1: is that's a great point that's an excellent point
3: so i think that it, it is i think that you're right like dana there's no point in going back and forth or you can laugh at it like he's doing because you should it's comical he's he's a genius when it comes to social media for that reason you have to give jake respect because he's bringing eyes and ears that the sport would not have seen with his creativity with his youtube and everything that he has so it's it's awesome it's great for the sport in that way but i think there's there's a different i don't like to talk about my friends he talked about like daniel corvier jorge those are my all my friends even data like those are my those are people i look up to so i'll tell jake Paul this if i ever see you i'm choking you the fuck out and if i wrap my hands around your neck you're going to sit oh but other than that i think he's awesome
1: (laughs) <laughs> he is. I mean, he is creating buzz. And yes, he kind of is like a young Dana because like there's been criticisms of Dana. Like maybe he's lost that, that promotional edge. You know what I mean? Like we saw it for a while early on, then the UFC got huge. It was on Fox and then it kind of went away a little bit. And then when Mayweather McGregor happened, we saw Dana yelling and screaming into the microphone, the Notarius! And we were like, all right, this is the Dana we remembered. And, you know, I, I feel like he's still the face of the company, but some of that like promotional Emphasis, if you will, is, has been kind of eluding him, but Jake seems to have it in spades in a much different way because of the use of social media, but it's, but it's wild, but, uh,
3: it's hilarious, right? He does these, like, he adds his YouTube to it with the little, the disc, the videos and like, that shit's funny. It's hilarious. You can't help, but like, damn, that was good. But like, I don't know. I think that if anything, like Dana to me, he that's like one of the hardest workers in this sport that I see. Like, for me, I know what it takes for me to promote my own fight. To build it up and then it's like fuck I have my fight Ugh, I get to relax for a couple weeks and chill out eat fucking pizza do whatever I want. But like that man is like on to the next it's the next week the next fight card and he's promoting and he's pushing and he's doing the media for it like it's non stop. All year long and for that I have so much respect for Dana he is like one of the hardest workers that i've seen in this sport um. And so I, to me, I'm like, should he, as all he has to deal with, the last thing you want to deal with is Jake Paul. The unfortunate thing is Jake Paul is so massive that you have, you have to deal with him. I think he should just send me in and I'll just, I'll just choke him out. It's it. be over.
1: <laughs> true, true or false. Jake Paul will fight in the UFC someday. <sighs>
3: um, true. You think it because happens? I'm a, I I do. I do think it happens. Um, I don't like the Connor fight. I don't think that's the right fight. Like, why don't we put him against someone that's his weight and maybe even like in his experience? You know who's someone that I think would be a pretty fun fight? Is he just fought this weekend, Alex Padaya? Oh that my savage. gosh. He's like, but he's how many how many professional fights does he have?
1: Six. Does right? have S- seven? Six, six or seven. Maybe.
3: Fairly new in the U. Give him that dude. Like why Connor? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get why he's calling Connor. Connor's the biggest name. He's the biggest draw, and, and rightfully so. Jake is a huge draw. So I understand that when it comes to that. But skill wise, body shape, body frame wise, it doesn't make any sense. So give him a real dude. Connor, what about Hanza? Oh, That's geez.
1: <laughs> well, he'll test those he wrestling he chops. Said, he'll test those wrestling chops. It's for damn sure. Good. He Go said
3: more. he had the right hand of God. Let's see it. <laughs> <laughs> or like even Usman. Usman wants a boxing fight. Okay, let's make that happen then. Like give him someone that's more his size. Conor, that doesn't make any sense to me. I, I like the Conor Masvidal fight. I think that's a fun fight. Those guys are, are Conor looks big. Masvidal's, you know, is can meet somewhere. I think that's the better, more real, realistic fight for, for Conor then Jake, Jake doesn't make
1: any sense to me. Yeah. I mean, Connor's looking, looking pretty, pretty thick these days. So he's got that muscle. Yes. So he's probably like 180, 185, but still Jake's probably in the twos right now. So yeah, that's yeah. definitely a mismatch. I have to ask you about this because I would kick myself if I didn't, you got the MMA media space a bit riled up a couple months ago,
3: <laughs> know, didn't you? Off. You, I mean okay. you,
1: you, you created this post that said, essentially, and I don't have it in front of me, it was was like, MMA media today is trash. You know, you've never fought. You guys stir things up for clicks. There's no coverage on the prospects. There's nothing about the regional fighters and the the overcoming adversity and and things like that. I think I got it. I don't want to misquote you or anything, but I have to know where this came from and what got you to this point. Because I I, I saw the tweet and I saw a lot of media members reacting to it. I was curious where this all came from. They were pissed. You pissed a lot of people off.
3: I know i did i'm I'm, and you know what i'm okay with that um i think that i've dealt with the media my entire career obviously and i think that in some instances for a lot of my career until i finally gained some confidence within myself like i was i was scared of the media and it was like oh whatever they say and do and i felt like they ruled they had control over my life and a lot of my narratives in my in which they do they really do and at that time, that week particularly was the Jake Paul, this video came out and it was just, it was everywhere. And then they were like, I think they were grilling uh, Dana and Francis and Gano thing. Like there was just so much like negativity. And I just felt like in that moment, the media was trying to divide us, to divide our sport. And our sport is so small and it's, it's so unique and it's still, and it's, and it's still a baby, right? Like we don't have that. We don't need that. Like. I get it. They want clicks. I get it. But why the hell do I see Jake Paul on every single platform all day long? He's never even fought in MMA. Why are we covering him? What about all the other athletes? I understand and know what it's like to be a fighter. What I've given up. I've given up relationships, my merit. I've given up everything in my life, family time. I'll never get to see my dad again. I gave up a lot of his last years to fight. I've given up food water like that's the small things right you give up for for it to fight there's so much that you put in and then, like I had I read an article and I don't know if it was MMA fighting or the other one that wrote. uh, They they wrote an article about the Britain Hart fight and they said Britain Hart outpaces Pearl Gonzalez and I was furious how the fuck do you outpace someone in a boxing fight is this a this is a marathon now you don't fucking outpace someone in a boxing fight. And those type of things, if they knew the amount of work that I put in to even get to that fight, the travels, I moved all of the things that I went through and then to write some shit like that and not even go and watch the fight, that really infuriated me. And I just think that the media just has so much power over the people and, and ability that they're like, they do things to to like break us apart, to separate us. And like, they were bashing Dana in the UFC. And I'm just thinking, If it wasn't for Dana and the UFC to continue on, we wouldn't have shit to talk about this last couple of years. We all have a job because they pressed on. It was one of the only sports to do that. And so I was just upset in that way. I think that now that I have a platform, now that I am working to and am am a part of the media, I'm going to help the, the sport in that way where I don't need to talk about the bullshit. I don't give a fuck about the bullshit. I care about the athletes. I know how much work the effort that it takes to be there, to even get there. So, and, and also now I'm seeing on the other side, the media reporter, like how much work this is, I really appreciate it. And for that, that's what I want to highlight is the hard work, the, the, the great shit for me fighting. If I look back, it wasn't the skills that I gained from this. I gained character development from this. I've read so many books and I've grown as a woman, as an individual because of fighting. Fighting saved my life. And so I want to help the world in that way and help the sport in that way show and, and get people to see the good stuff, not the shit, not all. And I get it. Shit's fun. It's fun. It's crazy. And I. so it's needed, right? We need some of that. But at the same time, like, where's, where's the other side? Where's that? Where's that hard work? How come I don't see any reporters writing how hard they've traveled to 10 different cities to these fights? And this is what they like. I don't see any of that. All I hear is Jake Paul sends a diss track like what the fuck is this come on. So that was why I was upset and I had some reporters that were like I wrote a great article about you I was like you were fucking rude to me and he was like. I wrote a great article I was not rude and then his friend comes in and you weren't rude yes, you were, you were rude as fuck to me and at that time I didn't have a voice, and so I allowed you and I still did your stupid ass interview and, yes, it did come out great because i'm great on camera so that's the kind of shit that to me that I don't I'm not going to accept and I'm going to call people out I'm at a point in my life and in my career where I've worked very very hard to establish myself I've been through so much hell and back I refuse to let anybody devalue me or put me down and I'm and I look at the sport in that same way
1: that is a terrific answer uh I have to say <laughs> I saw the I saw the tweet and I was like I saw everybody responding and I was just like, why are you responding? Like, if you're responding, (laughs) then you probably like have something on your mind that maybe like you're thinking about this too much. Like if you're responding Mm -hmm. and I get where you're coming from, trust me, like from a fighter perspective. And I also understand that you're starting to see like kind of the cycles that the sport can take on media members, because like you said, Mm -hmm. it is a lot. And I have built and I'm not trying. I mean, you're probably familiar that you and I have done interviews in the past even before you're you know before you're this world-renowned traveler and analyst like look at you like we've been doing chats for a long time now like right i love the prospect stories this is how i built my entire career was built was interviewing everybody prospects amateur fighters like just crazy stories like if you go to my twitter and you see the pinned tweet it's about a kid who has four pro fights and he got shot in the neck and paralyzed and like he like his whole story is trying to fight again, like doing wow. getting stem cells and like trying to fight again. Like that story took up like almost my entire 2021 trying to write, getting all these different perspectives. So like there is that kind of journalism out there. And I and I right. know you see that. And let me just say this MMA fighting did not write that headline about the outpatient. I
3: was I was so well, There bad. you I go. Cause I <laughs> I think it was MMA junk and I was so here I was like, what the fuck is it? Like at least go and watch the fight. And that's that's what happens sometimes is people get get caught up and they just let me just put this together and I get it, you guys are working hard like you said it took you a year on one particular story. And I understand it like that, so when you have these other stories you're trying to you know hurry up, but you but that's my livelihood this is my life, these are my years of effort and work. That you're just writing some bullshit about and so that to me it was like why and at that time again it was like Jake. Hall everywhere with the district, it was just this all I saw, and I was like, What is this? Like, that weekend we had that on the Francis and got that in gun card. There was like the most uh debuters, wasn't yep. it? The, it was the most debuters in the UFC or something. Like, there's so many, there were some badass fights on that. Card. Victor Henry like, was on there, that
1: card, you know, how excited I was that Victor Henry was making his UFC debut. It took him like 10 years to get there, it was amazing.
3: Oh my, god! yeah, see what I mean? Like, store. I didn't see that. I didn't get to see that article. I didn't get to hear about that though. You know, it was like Jake fucking ball everywhere. And, uh, and Dana, this, and, and, and I get it. The whole Francis, the money, I'm a fighter. I respect him. I get where he's coming from. And a a lot of his things, you know? And so I I see that I saw that. And it was more so like, they're just dividing the fuck is this? Like, tell me about, tell me about that guy. Like, let me hear about that. Like took him 10 years. I don't know his story. What did he do to get there? Why did it take so long? what happened to him you know what i mean and uh that was where i was that day and i didn't mean it to like some journalists did reach out to me and they were like hey uh, i was like i'm sorry i'm not talking about you you know like they're good they're good people in our sport they really are they've covered a lot of my story and things and my story wouldn't have been heard without the media 100 percent. i would not be here today without the media so i do understand and i have a lot of respect for the media in that way but there are some points where it's like this is fucking ridiculous you know, like, give us some good shit, and that's just where I was that day. I'm sorry yeah. if you took that to offense,
1: oh no, listen. i I get it. I mean, like, in this part of me that I mean, I get where you're coming from. like if I could run my own website and try to make money, like I would just do prospect interviews all the time. But unfortunately, it's like not the spot we're in. Like, and I like I share a platform with the biggest name in sport right now. Like Ariel Hawani is, is interviewing and it actually like helps me out a lot because when Ariel got brought back and the MA hour got brought back, everyone was like, Oh my God. Like, what about you, Mike? Like who are you going to interview? I'm like, I'll be okay because I interview everybody. So it doesn't matter. Like I'll interview someone who's fighting on UAE warriors or LFA or CES or Titan FC or any Eagle FC. It doesn't matter. Like there's other propellator. There's all the UFC isn't the only game in town. There's plenty of names. That that need a little bit of shine. Like I'll talk to Pro Gonzalez about combat sports. Like just we should hit record and shoot the shit for 45 minutes. Like yeah. that's what I like to do. I just like to have conversations with people who understand the sport and have stories to tell. And I feel like I feel like you have a story to tell, and like that hasn't even been told yet. Like there's there's just layers to everybody that not everybody knows right. about, and that's what makes the sport so exciting
3: exactly and I, I think for me like that's what i mean where this is my job is my responsibility to help find those layers in some of these athletes you know and i'm looking to do story like for instance kevin holland just fought kevin holland's a single father i was raised by a single father i don't know what my dad went through as a single father i have so much respect for this man and and where where he comes from both of his parents were in jail they were drug addicts like he has an incredible story And yeah, he's silly and he's wild and he's fun and he's crazy, but there's also a very serious and a real side to him. And you know that he struggled and probably will struggle at some point again in his life being a single father. And so those are the kind of stories, those are the kind of things to me that inspired me. I didn't have examples. I didn't have, uh, you know, people to look up to when I was growing up. I'm from the fucking hood. I was gangbanging at 12. I've been stabbed. Like I've been through hell and I've been to jail several times. Like, I had drug dealers to look up to. I had, you know, that was my, that were the examples. So when you hear a story like that, that touches the city, that touches communities, that touches some young kid out there who thinks that all men are shit or a woman, young woman out there and can potentially get them into, I don't know, if, if it's a fight gym or somewhere to get help. And I think that that is what is, is just needs more, a little bit more love and a little bit more highlight too.
1: I like seeing Khalil Roundtree get a lot of attention now, like after the not just the performance, but everything he said after and backstage, like he was just on Ariel's show talking about like, and he was asked like, if someone asked you to describe who Khalil Roundtree Jr. was, like, how would you describe it? And he was just like built up with emotion. Like this guy, I mean, just, it's these people. Like, I feel like with these platforms, I I think we're getting there. Like, I think, like you said, we're kind of in an infantile spot that, We're a little new we have to figure out what works and what doesn't and try to like try these different things, but. I feel and I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like I feel like we're getting there it's a slow process, but I feel like slowly but surely we can turn the needle the other way, do you agree with that.
3: Yes agreed and the only way that I can do that not is by using my voice and being and and living that style living by example and trying my best to play my part I can't make anybody else do it, I have no control over anything else other than myself. And so that was what I that was why I put that out there. It wasn't to piss everybody off. It wasn't to be point fingers. It was like, hey, this shit sucks. I have to do my job. I am responsible for myself and I am going to help make a difference here. And that was my real purpose of saying that and to stir the pot a little bit. I like I like drama. Come on, I'm yeah. a woman.
1: Listen, when I saw that, I was like, I heard you saying those words. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> she
3: goes, Pearls, Pearl's getting after it.
1: Get out of the way.
3: She goes. It's uh. ah, so funny, because that's
1: exactly what I was doing. Oh yeah. I, I I knew that. That's why I didn't respond or say anything. Everyone's like, why are people responding to this? I'm like, I'm just enjoying the show. Popcorn, crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> she's, she's getting the response. It's unbelievable. Will you be uh I assume you will be in Jacksonville for UFC two seventy three?
3: Yes. Yes, I'll be in um I'll be in Jacksonville. I do I'll, I'll cover all of the pay-per-views. Hopefully, we'll extra rounds will start to cover like the looking for the fights or any other big events that come up. Um but for now, yes, that's where I'm at. I'll be at at the next one. And then uh, this weekend we have Icon, which is oh, badass, right. man. Yeah, we that's have right. Icon too this weekend. It's a big big deal. We've got some big fights um happening. I'm actually sponsoring my second fighter on this card, um SD Dumas, Dumas, main event dude, he's from Chicago, uh, which is one, one reason why he's dear to my heart, but more so he was shot eight times. This dude was shot eight times, almost died from the hood of Chicago, left, went to Pensacola, got fat, was like 250 pounds, was like, all right, I got to lose some weight somehow, found an MMA gym. He was 10 and one as an amateur, and I believe he's either 8 and 0 or 9 and 0 as a pro. All of his wins are by knockout. All of his wins are by knockout and he is just one of the most humble he's got like dreads and he's got tattoos all over his face and he's like one of the but he's so chill and calm and humble he's not at all like and over and overly aggressive and so um he's just one of those very inspiring stories to me and so uh i've started this year sponsoring athletes where we're making fight kits for them and making outfits we're creating my aunt my aunt's doing it all i can't take any fun credit i give her colors and i give her ideas but my aunt does the everything else and She's like creating their logos for them. She's really helping them like what color, like just helping them try to create a vision board in a sense and where they're going. And for me, like my part is I come in and I'm sitting down with them and just giving them my advice. Where, where is your, what's your game plan? Why are you fighting? What's your, how long do you plan on fighting? You know, what, what drives you? What motivates you? Because these are the things you're going to have to go to when you're tired, when you're sore, when you're cutting weight, when you don't want to train, when no one's watching, you've got to pull from something. And so there are so many mistakes I made in my career. So if I can help these athletes in this way, I've had so much mindset training, mental, you know, worked with mental coaches. I've read so many books. Like, so if I, that's my kind of way of helping the athletes as I can. And then my aunt gets to make all these, she loves making outfits. So she gets to make their fight outfits. But SD Dumas is just a huge story. And um, he's, he's the co-main event on the, on ICON. He's fighting a high bomb which is a, a Hugh, he, he fought on um, Jared Gooden. Gooden, yep. Gooden, his last icon fight UFC vet. So it was a big fight and he did amazing in that fight. Um, this is a really big fight for SD. There's, there's a lot of, when I asked Dean this week, what is the theme for this week? Give me a theme. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, give me a theme. He's like, you know, there's a lot of uh, UFC vets and, and veterans that are fighting on this card. They're fighting the up and coming prospects. So they will all have to leave it all on the line. Is the vet, the experienced one who wants to get back to that big name going to make it, or is these up and coming athletes going to make it? And uh, that's kind of the story of Icon is we have young athletes. We got another, I think Amun Cosme. These dudes are two and zero, and they're like one 20, 135ers, and they're fighting like they've had 10 pro fights. Like it's insane the amount of talent and skills they've already developed. It's understandable because we are in a very interesting place in our sport, but like, it's cool. It's cool to see these. Like, I love doing this kind of stuff with working with these fighters that are so new to the game, you know, and have so much potential. And you know, you can be you can be you can be distracted in so many ways. You can, whether it be for me, I have bad management my entire career, um, up until now, I have finally have great management. So, like, there's so many layers and pieces. Coaches, I've had trouble. You you just have these problems. So, if you can create. You know, if you can really set yourself up to I think the people that are most successful in our sport. know absolutely. This is what I want. I don't care how long it takes me. And they do it and they they stick to the game plan. They don't change and switch and that kind of thing. You know, you look at like like a Valentina like she's been with her coach her whole life. She has one t- one training partner, her sister. They travel all over the world together, and still she's a fucking assassin. Like these are really cool stories, but she knew what she wanted very young and they did not stop at the goal. And um, so, yeah, I'm I'm going on and on, but you know, like if I can play a part in this, that's where I'm going to play that part. It's amazing to see these young and coming athletes. I tell people all the time, if you want to get an MMA, this is the absolute best time. Like you could put together an amateur career, a a pro career and be on a Dana White contender series in two years, you know, and get to the big show where for me, that was like, a life like it was just unheard of it was and now you have so many opportunities to to get and it's so realistic to get to the big show
1: the isaac dolgarian story amateur pro for a year already got a ufc contract i mean it's just it's it's insane is if you're in there and you're talented and you're active and you and you're in with a good team and you just go after it like yeah you can, it can happen very quickly and there's something special about that icon co-main event slot now that it's under the Mazadal name because what happened on the last card when a guy was put in the co-main event slot? He got the UFC call before he could even fight for Icon. <laughs> he got Pete Rodriguez got got the phone call that changed his life. So, I mean, yeah, that's a big exactly. spot for, your, for for that guy. Could you see yourself managing fighters someday?
3: Uh, it's something I've been looking at and playing with for the last couple of years and thinking about. I do think that it it I could help the sport in that way, and I would love to. Um, I sat down with Malky and asked him if I could kind of like shadow him, and he was like, Pearl, I'll give you the whole women's, my whole, you'll be the director of the women's sports. I'm like, whoa, I'm not writing for that. I do. I think that that would be some place that I, I am confident that I could really help the sport in that way. Um, but we'll see. Right now, I'm just, I'm really focused on the commentary and the analyst work. We'll see where this takes me. I am so open to everything. Like, I'm fucking doing all these this rehab on my RV. I'll do a home improvement show. No idea what I'm doing, but like, I can do that. I can do a cooking show. I love food. I love nutrition. There's so many avenues that I'm open to at this point in my life. Um, I, I, uh, and, and it's definitely not close to management.
1: You got to get a YouTube channel, Pearl. Do you have one? You got to get one and do it. Look no, at all these ideas. You
3: got to do it. it. Why you not? Because if you saw the crazy shit that I've done in this RV, like, I just took down all the caulk because it looked like shit. That took me like five hours to remove all that caulk. It took me like seven hours to put the caulk up. Like, I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? But you know, this is a process. I'm enjoying it. Um, I know know no real reason why I have an RV. I'm just decided to get one and remodel it. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I do need a YouTube.
1: You do, because I mean, I'd be intrigued to watch this whole process of (laughs) tearing an RV apart and putting it back together hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's good quality (laughs) stuff right there. Who wouldn't (laughs) want to see that? Do you take the RV to these events?
3: No, I try everywhere. But my goal, what I do want to do and I plan on doing is I want to travel America um, for probably six months in the RV and I want to hit as many different gyms and talk to as many different trainers and, and instructors as I possibly can and document it and uh, we'll see where it takes me. I think that that's, a, that's something for my soul, for myself that I wanna do, um, but who knows, maybe I could really put together something really cool. And then the goal would be to go you know, overseas and travel the world and do the same thing. I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to travel and meet the, and see the cultures. I think like, we haven't even touched Africa yet. Like I wanna go in there and like, what's that like to see some of those athletes over there training like how can i help is there a way to get mats and get some you know some things some gear you know they don't have gear there and like if we could help that over there or mexico even and help them and and, and also go and see what their training and their their culture is like like that to me is like something that intrigues me so much i would i would leave fighting for something like that absolutely um to focus on the sport in that way
1: a lot of irons in the fire for, for Pearl and yes. Dallas right now, man. I could talk to you for like an hour, about all, another <laughs> hour about all this stuff, but I, I, I know you have a life and I got to let you go at some point. So uh, I always appreciate I, I gotta the time. got
3: to go paint
1: this RV. Yeah, now you got to go paint the I RV. I, I mean, You probably would have talked to me another half hour to keep you from doing that, but now you got to go paint. So thank you so much. Like like, I, like I've like i been saying for a while, I think you have one of the sharper minds in the sport. And, you know, even though you call it all the media members, I didn't take offense to it, but I, I mean, still. Thank you, because it didn't not that it would have mattered anyways
3: um, (laughs) well no i wasn't towards you and you know i got asked by several people to do an interview and i was like that's not what i'm i'm not saying this to get some kind of coverage so i i did i didn't talk about it at all and i was like fuck uh, i don't really want to but i do i respect you in in so many ways and so i figured it would come up so I figured you would be the one to you can you can share it with the world if you want to.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I was just curious where it came from, that's all. I mean, cuz I mean, people probably agree with you. So so that's that's it. But thank you so much. Looking forward to, to I may even see you in Jacksonville cuz I think I'm going down yeah. there for that one. So if so, we'll uh maybe we'll link up and do some content or or do whatever. Give you yeah, a fist yeah, bump. Yeah, let's do it. down there so uh but I appreciate your time very much. Thank you for being so open and and talking about everything and uh Maybe we'll see you in Jacksonville. If not, we'll see you uh, competing, hopefully if the right fight comes along.
3: Exactly. Thank you, Mike, so much. It was a pleasure to speak with you.
1: one of my favorites to chat with been chopping it up with this gentleman for years since his v3 fights main events leading into that almost six years ago but if you told me back then we'd be having the conversation we're about to have not sure i'd believe you but here we are your boy joins us once again eric good to see you man how are you
4: good yourself
1: i'm doing great so let's get right into this because over the weekend you go on instagram you create a lot of buzz You posted a slew of photos. The post is entitled, They Don't Make Left-Handed Chainsaws. And then we saw some gnarly photos of your foot and your leg. What the hell happened, man?
4: Man, you know, just a uh, weight cutting accident, you know? (laughs) What? I'm just playing. Um, (laughs) Nah, I'm just cutting down trees. And uh, the chainsaw jumped and landed on my foot and uh there you know the crazy thing is dude i've been doing yard work and you know like making a garden and sawing in my my backyard and i've been wearing steel toe boots all week and then the one time i go to use a chainsaw i thought it would just be a quick little you know trim or whatever you know easy work and uh so i had my tennis shoes and i even looked at my boots as i pulled out of the driveway and didn't give it a second thought and uh, cut down these two trees, and then when I was on the third one, the blade got stuck. So I, you know, kept the chainsaw running with one hand and and pushed the tree up a little bit up with my with my other hand. And I thought that it would just like kind of cut through the tree, but it didn't. It like ran across the tree and landed on my foot. And uh, yeah.
1: So I mean, what as it's happening, I'm sure you're in shock, like a freaking chainsaw that is running has landed on your foot. Are you just like freaking out at the time? Like, what what's the first thing that that comes into your mind?
4: And to be honest, I didn't even know that it had cut my foot. And uh, you know, I looked down. You know, I, you know, I realized I was like, damn, that shit just hit my foot. And I looked down, and like the shoelaces on my shoe, and the you know, my shoe was all mangled. And I was like, oh shit, that did cut and uh you know i slid my foot out of my shoe and all you could see was white meat and they just like filled in with blood just just lava and uh you know i was really nervous cuz you know the first thing i thought about was my career and like how am i going to fight if i can't move my toes so you know i started wiggling my toes and uh you know i could wiggle my toes so i was like cool i could feel my toes so I, I didn't think that I had did any like ligament or tendon damage or nerve damage. And, uh, you know, drove like a bat out of hell to the, an urgent care down the street. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny cause I walked in there and I was standing, standing in the doorway and I was like, Hey, um, I just cut my foot real bad. I think I need stitches. Do, uh, somebody want to help me out? and Like, Hey, come fill out this paperwork. And I was like, lady, I think you understand that my foot is leaking right now i'm i'm bleeding all over your placement your floor mat here and uh she looked down she's like oh so they got me a wheelchair uh took me back there when i got back there the the doctor was like uh i don't know i've been to down this little thing the doctor was like hey i'm about to leave you might have to go to the emergency room Cause uh the next doctor on shift doesn't do stitches. And I was like, huh? Come on, man! Look at my shit. And uh, long story short, he ended up staying and and did my stitches. And uh, man, it's cool. Like I'm walking. I'm finna go train uh, here in a little bit. Gonna grab some breakfast first. And uh, so I, I don't think there's there's too much damage at all.
1: So there's no. So even the doctor said like. Listen, we're just gonna stitch you up, like you'll be good to go in a few days, like all good.
4: Yeah, I don't think he like put too much thought. Dang, I almost killed myself. And <laughs> dodging death all week. Uh I don't think he put too much like thought or um you know, he's kind of like tickled my feet. He was like, Can you feel that? The bottom of my feet. And I was like, Yeah. He was like, okay, good. And then gave me about 20 stitches and that was it.
1: That's it. I mean, can you, can you feel it now? Like, does it, does it sting? Is it annoying? Like, what does it feel like now?
4: Nah, the, the swelling's gone down tremendously. Um, you know, I have more flexion in my foot. Um, I'm walking. Like yesterday I was walking with a limp today. I don't have a limp. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm getting ready to go do some jujitsu over at Ruka in, uh, here in Austin. Austin, Texas. So, you know, obviously I'll be training with the wrestling the shoe on, but
1: you know, what a week. Holy cow, man! Can you hear me? Yeah. All right, there you go. Um, Yeah, dude. I mean, it just seems crazy. So, like, if if the UFC called your manager right now and said, "Hey, we got a fight for Eric in May or June," would you be able to take it? Like, you'd be confident enough to say yes yeah. to that?
4: Yeah, I already have a fight lined up. You do? Um, I I can't give out the details like who, but it is in late May. And, uh, you know, that's plenty of time to train. The stitches come out on Monday, so I'm already training, getting ready for it. So um, here on Sunday, I go back out to Arizona to go, you know, train with Eddie and, and Santino.
1: Wow. So, I mean, it worked out. Did now was there a fight offered to you before this happened, or did you get the contract after this? Yeah,
4: happened? no, I already had a fight signed, so you know me, <laughs> I I'll show up. So you know, as long as I can walk, I'm there.
1: There you go. So the doctor knew you had a fight coming up and said, "No, no limitations. You're nah. good to go for late May."
4: No, nah, I didn't ask him either. You know. <laughs> You know, obviously, a doctor's not going to be like, yeah, go fight, go train. You know, he was all he said was don't run. So I don't run much anyway. So it's all good.
1: There you go. The last time we saw you compete was against Andre Muniz. You step in, and I mean, obviously, Andre is nasty. You saw great jujitsu, surgeon contender. You went in there and, and, and did your best. Like, what what else can you do? And just kind of got caught in a submission and no real injuries, nothing really. To, that that sets you back too much but what did you sort of take away from that fight because not an easy one a lot of people gave you a lot of credit for for even accepting the fight you go in there did your best didn't really pan out for you but i don't feel like your stock dropped at all
4: uh, you know i'm not a moral victory kind of guy you know but um uh, jiu used to be my thing man i'm, I'm you know uh won the world championship at the purple belt level but you know kind of got away from the grappling and the and the jujitsu, just because, you know, I kind of fell in love with the hands and the striking a little bit. So, you know, I'm really taking it back to not really my roots because I did everything at the same time, but, you know, really taking a lot of time to to grow and develop my, my grappling and, you know, submission offense as well as defense.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're going to focus more on that, mixing them. So we're going to see like D1 Eric Anders in there maybe in late May? You've taken hey, hey, down you and just transitioning all the, di- all different spots.
4: Man. You might see Eric, the mega or how <laughs> <we see David laughs> man
1: Oh man. I love it. All right. Hey, I'll let you go, man. I know you, you you had a lot going on this weekend and I'm glad you, by the way, with the fight, you don't have to tell me who it is, but is this like, is this a fun one? Is this one when we've when it's oh, made public, we're going to be like, Oh damn, this is a good
3: one.
4: Yeah, I think so. I think we're both gamers. I think we're both the type to kind of like meet in the middle and, you know, let him ride, you know, not necessarily a brawl, but like he, he's certainly more, you know, um, technical than I am, I would say, but, you know, I think, uh, I think the fans really enjoy this one.
1: All right. Well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad we're going to see you back in there in May. Things got a little hairy and I'm glad it worked out, man. I'm glad we're going to see you back in there. I'm glad the foot's okay. And I'm glad you're, you're right back to training like five days later. It's, I mean, it's,
4: it's insane, yeah, you know, are something the, else. For the, for the situation it's the best possible scenario. You know, like I said, no tendon or ligament damage, no nerve damage, just, uh, you know, really deep cut. There's actually three of them. To be honest, you can kind of see where like the, the chainsaw jumped across my foot. So I have a gnarly little scar, you know, a nice little story to tell. I think I'll stick with like head kicking a chainsaw instead of that I was trying to cut down a tree
1: well i mean your spirits are are quite high despite all of this so uh yeah good for you man i'm glad it all worked out and uh all the best to you late may when we see you back in there against opponent tbd or tba to be announced
4: appreciate it brother
1: Say hello to Cody Brundage, and Tim and I have spoken after many of his professional victories, but it's pretty cool to have this chat after his first UFC victory this past Saturday at UFC Vegas 50 against Dolce Lagambula. Submission win in the first round, nasty guillotine choke. Cody, welcome back and welcome to the UFC win column.
5: How are you, man? I feel great, man. Thanks for having me. It's pretty cool. You know, like you said, we've been you've been on the journey with me, so it uh, feels good to come back here after the biggest win of my career and, and be able to chat it up.
1: How, do, how does it all feel a few days later? Because you, you often ask these questions after you get signed to the UFC, like, does it feel real? And oftentimes fighters will say, well, I got to have that first appearance. Then I got to have that first victory before it kind of feels real. Like, how does this feel? Does it feel kind of surreal, like three or four days later, first UFC win in the books?
5: Uh, it definitely feels kind of surreal, just kind of the way it all happened, I think, too, you know, uh, getting the bonus, kind of having a comeback, and, and fighting through adversity and things like that. Um, and just yeah, like winning the first one. I feel like the first one's the hardest one to win because I feel like I belong there and I feel like I deserve to be there. But until you cash in on an opportunity and and, and get a W there, I feel like it's hard to really feel like okay, I, I do deserve to be here. I do belong. So getting that, you know, confidence wise is is like okay, I, I do. I proved it to myself. I, I can overcome adversity against the best guys in the world and and still get a victory and. You know, everyone always has been telling me my whole career, like, you're going to be here, you're going to be successful. And guys that I really respect, you know, my coaches, my my teammates uh, who have done it and have been there. But until you do it yourself, it, it's hard to believe.
1: For the finish, I mean, what, what were those moments like for you? Because he landed some big shots. I mean, you could see it in your face, like, oh, you son of a bitch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but eventually, like you said, you, you fought through it. He gave you an opportunity. You jumped the, the ghillie, and he and got the tap. So, you know, what – what what was those Im- the impact of those shots like like how hurt were you Wh- how bad did it get for you?
5: Right, so I hate coming on here and being like, oh, I wasn't that hurt because I hate when people do that. If I fight him and they beat me and they're like, oh, I was fine, but really, man, I, it looks really bad. I won't lie, it looks really bad when I watch it. Like I would not want to be my wife and my mom watching that fight. But in the moment, the only shot that really buzzed me bad was from his knees. I was in on that single leg. He wizarded down and threw a an uppercut and. I just I don't I think I just wasn't expecting that much power from the knees, because I mean the guy hit like a truck for sure, but. I felt like other than that I did a good job of head movement and things were kind of landing on my chest and on my shoulders, you know he did have a few sneak through, but I was I was aware, you know I I literally in the fight. uh, Mark Smith was like you gotta fight you gotta fight and I looked at him and said i'm good. And, you know, I told him afterwards, I'm like, thanks for giving me the opportunity to continue to fight. He's like, well, you communicated with me. And that's all we, we really asked. So I was in it, you know, I heard my coaches, I heard him yelling 90, I heard him yelling the times out and I, I don't, I didn't know if I was going to finish it. Right. But I was like, okay, no matter what, you know, I think Dolce is a great fighter. I think he has a lot of power. He has a lot of great attributes. His weakness is his cardio. And I don't think, um, like that's controversial to say, I think everybody knows that. Uh, and he would have had nothing in the second and third. I felt him starting to fade. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to win this round. Chalk this round up to him, props to him. But I, I have great cardio. And I'm like, I'm going to come back second and third and get the job done. Uh, luckily, I didn't have to. You know, obviously the first round win is, is amazing and feels good. But I felt, okay, I'm in it. I'm good. I'm recovered. Mentally, I felt good. I wasn't like, oh, I'm out of it. I got killed. You know, I was like, okay, I'm going to come back. I got two rounds to make this work. And, and I think a lot of that is just, the work I've been putting in into my mental and into my physical. So yeah, the shot, it looks really bad. Uh, I don't think it was as bad as it looks. It probably still wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad as it looked for sure.
1: Yeah. Mark Smith coming through there because usually (laughs) only, only vets get the luxury of of getting that opportunity to let it ride out and, and he let you go. So that's, that's pretty cool. And you mentioned earlier that just the going, going through the adversity and I feel like you needed to win this way because I didn't necessarily agree with the assessment of the fight heading in because if those who followed you early on, like you've had some, some bloody battles, like you have battled through and fought some grizzled bets. You've been in like these situations before, but for some reason, like if you listen to breakdowns of the fight, people said, you know, this Cody guy's got talent, but when the going gets tough, he kind of allows that trend to continue. And then they kind of go back to the William Knight fight. Like if it doesn't go your way, you sort of just allow it to happen. Like that way of thinking. I didn't necessarily agree with that because I'll, I mean, we do our MMA fighting picks. I might've been the only one to pick you to win. Cause I felt like you had that there, but with winning this way, I feel like you squash this narrative altogether. So when people break down this fight, they're not going to think about that anymore because you came, you saw, you felt you submitted. Like, Does it feel more special getting the win in this fashion in particular than say like you just go out there and, and, and win a decision or get a third round submission in a fight that you dominate? like going through it way that it happened i feel like this is the best way that this could have happened for you do you agree with that
5: yeah i think it's probably the best thing for my career and just like i said in terms of mental like i've always been like okay i have the dog in me i'm tough I, i have a good chin i've always felt those things but it's another thing like until you do it until you have to be put through the fire and really test those things you don't really know right and i did i went through it i'm like okay and now i know i not that I ever want to, but if I need to, I can fall back on that. Like that's a skill that, or an attribute that I have that maybe not everyone else has. You know, I've seen a lot of fighters be put in a position that I've been put in and be put, they go right to the fetal position and it's over, you know? And, and I I remember, I think part of it is the culture I'm at now. I think part of it is the people that are around me. You know, I watched Dustin Jacoby the week before me in a dog fight where he was absolutely taxed gas trying to finish the kid and find a way to win. And I, and he was in my corner of this fight, you know, and I just was thinking, I remember having this thought in the fight that I'm not going to lose this fight and go back to the, to the hotel and be like, "I'm sorry guys. You know, I just couldn't get it done. Like, I'm not saying I was going to win, but if I was going to lose, it was going to be because I was unconscious and they were going to carry me out of there. Um, and I've never really felt like that before. Not that I've ever been like, I'm going to give up, but I've never felt like you will have to end me to end this fight. Uh, and so I feel good about that. Yeah. I went to a dark place that I've never had to go to. Um, And that, like you said, I do like to prove that narrative that I'm not tough or that I quit when the going gets hard wrong. I think sometimes MMA fans forget uh, like William Knight's a beast and he's killing it in the UFC. It's not like he's some pud that hit me a couple of times and I was like, oh, man, it's over. You know, like the dude's really good. He's talented. And he was able to find a finish props to him. But that doesn't mean that I have no heart or that I quit when it gets tough. It just means that guy was better at that point. Hit me in some spots that uh, was, he was able to secure the win. You know, I'm not a quitter. I've, I've never been a quitter. So that is kind of a tough narrative to deal with. I was seeing that, you know, a lot of people were like, well, I guess this is the battle of two first round fighters, or I guess this is a battle of uh, who, gets a, who gets out ahead early. You know, that was kind of the narrative going into it. And I didn't feel that way. You know, I felt like the longer the fight went, the better it was going to be for me. I think I told everyone in interviews like the first four minutes will probably be nuts. It'll probably be chaos. You know, I said that multiple times cause I know how Dolce is. He comes out, he's powerful, he's explosive, but I knew that I could go 15 minutes and I knew that adversity would be there. I would just have to overcome it and that I could do that. So thank you for, you know, believing in that and knowing that that was true. Cause a lot, yeah, a lot of people weren't giving me that, that props, which kind of sucks.
1: Yeah. And, and, and even like the Maximoff fight, like that's, I mean, fighting William, William's a freak. Like normally yeah. when you, when you take a guy down you take us back, like the fight's done, like it's over shortly thereafter. And William just needs to go like, and then he just explodes yeah. up in like one movement. Like nobody does that.
5: Nobody does right. that. It's crazy. Yeah. He's absolutely free. I, I told my mom was like, can you please stop fighting these absolute monsters <laughs> of humans? I'm like, yeah, I think I fought the, the biggest monster at 205 and the biggest monster at 185. So, should get better from here.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then mixed in between those, you have you fight Nick Maximov, who is like a middleweight version of Bryce Mitchell, who just yeah that gas tank doesn't stop, man. He just take that. If he doesn't get the first, he gets the second. If he doesn't get the second, he go. He just keeps shooting for them. And you were hanging yeah. in there, man. Like it was just, it, it was just again another yeah, I freak, I another freak.
5: Yeah, I thought after that Puna fight that maybe people would circle back and be like, give me a little more credit for what I was able to do with Nick because I felt like I had more success than Puna. I think Puna's a great fighter. You know, I think he's very talented. I think he has really good stand up, really good wrestling, trains at a legit gym. And he got uh, pretty well dominated by Nick, you know, and I felt like I might, I, there were points where I was getting dominated, but I had my moments where, you know, I, I was close to, to, do, to finish in doing a lot of damage. Like I had good moments in that fight, stopped a lot of his takedowns. Uh, so I, I was hoping like, oh, maybe people will circle back and be like, but nobody does that, right? It's like, what have you done for me lately? And, and you know, I did something lately. So hopefully I get a little more love next time.
1: Yeah. It's just the way this sport is and social media yeah. and fans. I mean, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but from a, from a different angle, but it's just, you know, being a dad now too, like you, you have a, you're fighting for just more than a second paycheck. Right. I mean, obviously that helps it, it all kind of entangles together, but I mean, just, just being a dad and like, how much has that changed you as a fighter? Like the, the motivation has probably been there more than ever, but at the same time, like, you know, it's just that dad, you get that dad strength that you didn't really know know you have until you actually see, you know, your child for the first time.
5: Yeah, for sure. And like, uh, my daughter, you know, she's had some medical issues. I've kind of talked about them a little bit. And, you know, she's, she's, uh, everything she does is going to be based off what she sees her parents do. Right. So if she sees me quitting, uh, maybe she feels like it's okay to quit and you know like there's no out anymore there's no like well everyone will still love me because they will they'll still love me but it's like what message am I going to send to her and to my team and to my coaches and you know to my family in general if I quit and that's not really an option anymore and and yeah there's a lot of motivation there's a lot of motivation to like do what I think everyone thinks I can do I think I've had like my whole career, I feel like I've had really big expectations, which is great. You know, I feel like people have always kind of talked about me since I was a young pro, like not even really on the UFC's radar, just because of, you know, one, I was married to a UFC fighter, which isn't very common. So I think that people talk about that, but then also like, there's a reason that Dustin Jacoby always brings me to corner. room. there's a reason that I'm in Anthony Smith's corner. There's a reason that these guys have me in their circle and that I'm in, and that uh, they're in my circle. And that's because, you know, they're champions and they're guys that are killing it and they want to be around other people that are killing it. And I, I feel like that has led to high expectations. And I feel like for once I finally m- met the expectation that people had, you know, which, which uh, is huge, you know, because if I hadn't met that expectation, say I lost, it would be hard to look my daughter in the face, my wife in the face, look in the mirror because like um, you don't, Like you don't want to feel like a failure, but if you're not meeting expectations, you feel like a failure regardless, you know, that's just how it is. That's just the sport we play. And this sport is the highest of highs and lowest of lows more than any other sport. You know, like football, you go lose a game, you play next week and you got 30 other people that you could blame it on fighting. You lose, you got to wait. Like I waited six months for this fight and there's no one else you can blame it on. It's all on your shoulders, you know? So it's tough that way. But it's also awesome because when you win, it's like, okay, I did it. I accomplished these things, and I did way more than win a fight. I beat these demons that I was having. I proved my proved a lot to myself and proved a lot to my family. and yeah, it's just a good feeling
1: so what 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 kind of demons were you having because you mentioned how how important sharpening up mentally was as opposed to the physical and you're at a team and Mark Montoya is a mental machine because I'll never forget the conversation I had with Brandon Royval and Brandon was telling me how Mark just made him walk around the gym, like just walk. And anytime he tried to like speed up, Mark would yell at him and be like, what are you doing? We're not done right. yet. Like, why are you rushing? Why are you running? Like slow down, just enjoy the process. And like, those are like mental lessons he had to learn, but what were some of the the demons you had? What were some of the biggest things you needed to improve on mentally? I
5: think uh, I really didn't believe that I belonged, you know, and I really didn't feel like, uh i deserve to be there which is tough because i put in all the work and i compete with ufc guys every day and i have the talent it's just a mental thing where you're like do i belong like i took second in state in high school three times in wrestling i was around from all american twice in college i was i lost on contender after dominating the beginning of the fight and then i lost and then i lost my ufc debut and i just had this like black cloud over me of like you're just the guy who falls just a little short, like you're really good, but you fall just a little short every time, you know, and like, that's just how I felt. And, you know, obviously there were some other demons, you know, with my daughter's medical condition and everything, uh, you know, real life is a lot heavier than it used to be. Uh, you know, fighting used to be the only really, really important thing, you know, in my life that had a lot of consequence. And now it's not even top three. So, uh, those were demons too, but yeah, just like, Having to prove a lot to myself, you know, like you can do this. And that's more than just fighting. Like, that's life. Like, you're not going to be the guy that just falls short. You're not going to be the guy that doesn't meet expectations. You work too hard for all these things. But I didn't feel that way until I got my hand raised. I'm still starting to just feel like, okay, you proved it. You know, we got to keep doing it, but you proved it. And, you know, I remember being backstage, I was like, man, my legs are really heavy. You know, I got bad anxiety. My legs are really heavy. And my coach and Colin Anglin are like, oh, well, No one cares. So, you know, go make it happen. (laughs) You're absolutely right. You're not wrong. We signed on the dotted line. It's not like I'm going to walk out of here and not compete, but yeah. So there are, there's some real demons. I think the sport brings them out a lot more. You know, I think like you have to face a lot of issues with this sport with yourself and only you can answer I'm Like before you walk in the cage, did I do everything I could do to be successful in this endeavor I'm about to undergo? And if you did, great like I knew that I knew no matter what happens I've done everything in preparation like I changed a lot I did a lot more cardio I did a lot more extra private sessions with coach I was reading uh like my mental books which I hadn't done like at Factory X, we always have a book of the month I was reading all my books which I think helped a ton and so I was taking all the extra steps to do it but it's still tough like I'm like do I belong do I belong do I belong and that question is like plaguing you this whole six months and then you see everybody online he sucks. He doesn't belong. How do you get to the UFC, Mister Cooper? Like all these things, right? Like people just going in on you. You're like, maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. And then you prove it to yourself. And, and yeah, like I said, it feels really, really good.
1: So do you feel like you? The win, obviously, and the way that it happened, obviously, you feel a little bit better about it. But do you still feel like you're gonna have to have that battle within yourself? Like I feel like you you've taken steps, but I mean, are we talking maybe like? A mental coach like it's not uncommon it's it's maybe like more uncommon to not have one in the seen now right, than yeah. it is to have one like to you know what i mean like are, are we getting are we thinking maybe that step or do you feel like we're on a, the right track I
5: think it's like a, yeah i think we're on the right track but i think it's like anything else like you got to practice right like you got to do mental reps you got to keep uh reinforcing the good things you know i've worked uh all through college wrestling our team had like a mental coach did the exercises and he actually like more he trains. Uh, a lot of the, uh, fight ready guys, you'll see him a lot on their social media. Uh, right. you know? Yeah. He's, he's good, man. He's really good. He's done a lot of stuff. I use a lot of the techniques that they use just because we worked with them all through college. Um, but also it's a lot of like, because you can do all the reps in the world. Um, but when it's time to really get in there and do it, it's tough, right? It's still gonna be tough. But now that you, I've done it and proved it to myself and prove, okay, I can go to a dark place. I can do this. I can do that. I know it's there. So. Like experience, like if I you don't ever have the experience, it's hard to draw from. I've had the experience now. I can draw from it. You know what I mean? I can say this is how I felt before this fight, and I was able to get the victory. So it's okay to feel that way. It's not gonna affect your performance. You can make it happen. And I'll be honest, like I'm not necessarily super happy with my performance. I'm happy with the result. I'm happy with the bonus. Um, but was that my best fight? No, not at all. I mean, I got my ass beat for four minutes, and I through it and and got the win there's a lot to draw from and get better but to know that i can beat a guy like Dolce, who's super successful you know who took on collide to the third round dropped him a couple times in the fight and i can finish him uh when i'm not fighting my best you know that's a lot of confidence too so i think uh yeah it's still gonna be a lot of mental reps there's still gonna be doubt but that's just the sport that's just the way it's gonna always be so uh I just gotta keep working at it. I'm still young too, you know, I'm only gonna be, I'm gonna be 28 in May. Um, that's probably a little bit of part of it too, but yeah, we'll keep working. We'll keep getting better physically, mentally, all of it. So uh, it's definitely not conquered. You know, it, it's, it's better, way better, but it's not ever gonna be conquered, I don't think, no matter what, there'll always be little seeds of doubt. And you just have to make friends with that. That's what my coach always says. He says, make friends with those feelings because they're not going anywhere, so.
1: I think there was maybe one teammate who was disappointed about Saturday and that was Josh Fremt, Cause he didn't fight on the same card as you, because that was oh, yeah. one of the things he's like, at, he gets the contract. He's like, you know, I, I want to be patient. I want to, I want to take my time before I make my debut. I'm just, what do you think? He goes, well, Cody's fighting in March. So I'll fight on that. I'm like, dude, that's like five weeks from now. He goes, well, that's yeah. a long time for me. So seeing him in the UFC and like, he obviously yeah. has very high praise for you. Um, and kind of spoke about some of the things that you're speaking about that you're way better than a lot of people think you are, maybe even better than he thinks he is uh, <laughs> a guy clearly has your back. So now that he's in the yeah. UFC and you get to work with that guy every day, what what is that like?
5: Oh, it's great, man. You know, ever since I moved here, it's been like me, Dustin and him, you know, that's the three big guys. We, we grind all the time. And uh, you know, Josh has deserved to be in the UFC a long time and uh, he just got signed, but he's deserved to be there for a while. He's fought. His last five fights have been, either contender series vets or guys that very easily could be in the UFC or are in the UFC so um. You know i'm really happy for him to be there and that's another guy who's just going to go on a tear he's a killer he's got all the tools in the world. Uh, we're we're at like the same point in our career so it's cool to like always be able to talk to each other bounce things off each other, uh, and we deal with a lot of the same stuff mentally uh so it's good to have that person to fall back on be like hey man i kind of feel like this today and they're like oh i feel the same way and you're like, okay cool i'm not a bitch that's just how it is i guess <laughs> so uh you know it's it's really good and i'm really happy for him and it, yeah it's more confidence you know we got three guys in the ufc that are all gonna be killing it together and, and that gives you a lot of confidence to know you're uh crushing it you know with with your boys that are also crushing it
1: have you played golf with Jacoby yet
5: uh i haven't gone with him yet um but I know he's really good. So I'm like, man, I maybe should practice a little bit before we go. He's like, no, it'll be fun, man. I'm like, no, you're too good to the point where like, you're going to put a little pressure on me to like pick up my game, speed it up. I already don't play great. You start doing that. We're going to have some real problems. So let me practice for about three, four months, get back in the swing of it and then we'll go. Cause he's absolute savage on the golf course.
1: <laughs> you mentioned, um, you know, your daughter and everything she's going through and I saw, obviously we saw the armband. Did you say, I just want to make sure I got this right. The UFC actually made that for you. Yeah, is that it, what I heard?
5: Yeah. So the UFC made that. Uh, so just allow me to kind of promote on their, their, uh, brand, which I think is really cool. You know, sometimes UFC is a little finicky about what they're allow, allowing you to promote. Um, but I thought it was cool. Like no questions asked. They made it. Um, and I just thought it was a neat way to honor her, you know, like, uh, and my my sister also has epilepsy, so you know it's honoring her as well. You know, I made it about my daughter a little bit more, but yeah, so uh, it was cool. It was really cool that they did that, and you know, to be able to do that at work and with such a large audience is is neat to be able to get that story out. Because I remember uh, trying to think, I watched a like e like one of those thirty for thirties. Trying to think who it was on. It was on the uh, maybe it was Kenny Smith can't remember, but it was one of the basketball guys and he was talking, his son has uh, disabilities, right? He's an uh, older kid with disabilities. And when I watched that, it just made me feel like inside, like, okay, there's other people going through things similar to me and they're making it work, right? Like they're, they're, making, it, they're making it work and they're successful and their kids are happy and they're living a good life. And for me, I was like, okay, I can do this. So if, for, if I'm able to do that for anyone, even like one other person, like that's huge because it's, man, it's scary. It's really tough uh, being a parent in general, you know, I think it's like the scariest thing in the world, but then you throw in on top of that, like uncertainties of what the future holds and, and what that's gonna look like. And it's it's really tough. There's a lot of dark days, uh, but, you know, we try to stay hopeful and, and things like that just help. I think when you, you know, you're in it with other people, other people are going through the same thing. Uh, it helps, you know, strengthen numbers for sure.
1: Kids are like so resilient too. Like you know, oh, yeah. half times they don't even know what's happening. Like you sit there and we're all horrified and they're just like, what <laughs> were you so upset about?
5: Yeah. I always tell everyone that too. Like it, I think it would be really a lot harder. Um, if she was like, say she was like 20 and gotten some terrible accident and like lost all her functions, but whatever this ends up being is what all she's going to have ever known for her whole life. So this is just going to be her life. And, and so I can, I, I'm. If it ends up being bad, that's sad. But also, it's better than if she knew this crazy other thing, and then all of a sudden, all that was taken away. You know. So I mean, I it's a weird way to look at it, but you gotta try to find positives and, and try to find things that make you hopeful. And, and those do that for me. So, yeah.
1: Uh, a couple last quick things. I know we're in a you're you're in a time crunch, but oh, you're good, brother. When do we want to come back? What what are we thinking?
5: Uh, hopefully like June maybe early July, like international fight week. Uh, I know Dustin and Anthony are trying to fight around that time too. So it'd be cool to kind of be in camp with those guys. Um, Hopefully Josh gets booked here soon. We can all just be in camp grinding together, but yeah, my body's good. You know, I'm not banged up at all. i am be back in the gym on Monday. Coach basically makes us take a week off or else I'd be back in sooner. But uh, yeah, I'll be back in Monday training. So hopefully we can get booked in June or July against maybe someone a little less jacked, but.
1: We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like matchmaking wise, we do Anthony versus Ankalaev. I think that makes all the sense in the world. We do Jacoby versus Roundtree. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, and then we got to do Cody versus TBD. Like, who who are we thinking? Like you say, less jacked, but
5: and you're not saying it to talk crap no, or anything, but yeah, no,
1: you know, we're just we're trying to 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 grow um, your career here.
5: I like. There's a lot of fights that I like. I think there's a lot of easier fights than Dolce matchup wise not necessarily like they're worst fighters just matchup wise there's easier fights um i like that jacob Malcoon fight i think that he's kind of at the similar point as me you know he's six and one i believe i'm seven and two he's two and one in the ufc i'm one and one i don't know i like that fight i think he's a wrestler i'm a wrestler it's a good matchup but like i said there's tons of guys darren win i like that fight Andre Petrovsky, I like that fight. All those guys, you know, I've trained with Andre in the past. We kind of have a feel for each other. I'd be shocked if he wanted that fight, to be honest, but we'll see.
1: <laughs> He's fighting somebody. He's booked against somebody. He's fighting Max.
5: Was. Yeah. Nick Maximov. Oh, that's right. Oh, Jesus.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah that, that one's going to be, yeah, from. we'll
5: see how that one goes. That's going to be an interesting fight. It's an interesting matchup. Both those guys are really good wrestlers. Um, But Nick has cardio for days and is super relentless. I think Andre's biggest knock is he doesn't have the cardio. He has a little better stand-up than Nick probably, but yeah, you can only throw that overhand left like so many times before you're going to gas out. We saw that in his last fight. So it's going to be interesting. I'm definitely going to be tuned into that one. I'll tell you that.
1: That'll be a doozy. Yeah, it's cardio versus cojones. That's what That's it's all right,
5: That's right.
1: That's <laughs> right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Cody, congrats, man. Very happy for you. You made me look like a genius. And uh and I respect that about you. So uh thanks again for the time. Congratulations. Smell the roses. We'll see you back in the gym on Monday. And uh hopefully we see you back in there June, July, right around the same time as your teammates, my man.
5: Awesome. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. You're listening to
1: the Vox Media Podcast Network.